So this is a uh, take two on trying to uh, capture Trump's uh, consistency over the years. Um, I'm going to try to uh, get a better uh, capture on the sound recording and hopefully that'll go well. So the first video is from uh, a Rona Barrett interview from when he was uh, 34 years old in 1980. I think it echoes some of his current uh, feelings or how he thought uh, he kind of captured what Rona said about uh, making America great again. You are a doer. If you could make America perfect, how would you do it? Well, I think that America is a country that has tremendous, tremendous potential. I think that much like the mind, I think that America is using very, very little of its potential. I feel that this country with the proper leadership can go on to become what it once was. And I hope, and certainly hope, that it does go on to be what it uh, what it should be. What should it be? Well, it should be a. It should really be a country that gets the respect of other countries. Today, Is respect the most important thing in your opinion? Well, respect can lead to other things. When you get the respect of the other countries, then the other countries tend to do a little bit as you do, and you can create the right attitudes. the The Iranian situation is a case in point. That they hold our hostages is just absolutely and totally ridiculous that this country sits back and allows a country such as Iran to hold our hostages. My way of thinking is a horror. And I don't think they'd do it with other countries. I honestly don't think they'd do it with other countries. Obviously, you're advocating that we should have gone in there with troops, et cetera, and brought our boys out. I absolutely feel that, yes. I don't think there's any question, and there's no question in my mind. I think right now would be an oil-rich nation, and I believe that we should have done it, and I'm very disappointed that we didn't do it, and I don't think anybody would have held us in abeyance. I don't think anybody would have been angry with us, and we had every right to do it at the time. I think we've lost the opportunity. For some people, the ultimate goal in life uh, has been becoming the president of the United States. Would you like to be the president of the United States? I really don't believe I would, Ron, but I would like to see somebody as the president who could do the job, and there are very capable people in this country. Most people who are capable are not running for office. It, Most men are frightened of politics today. It is a shame, isn't it? Yes. It is a shame. The most capable people are not necessarily running for political office, and that is a very sad commentary on the country. They had major corporations and they had this and that, but they are not running for political office. Why wouldn't someone like yourself run for political office? You have all the money that you possibly need. You've accomplished a great deal, even though you are only 34. I know there's a lot of things that you possibly can do in the years ahead. Why wouldn't you dedicate yourself to public service? Because I think it's a very mean life. I, I would love and I would, I would dedicate my life to this country, but I see it as being a mean life. And I also see it as somebody with strong views and somebody with the kind of views that are maybe a little bit unpopular, which may be right, but may be unpopular, wouldn't necessarily have a chance of getting elected against somebody with no great brain but a big smile. And that's a sad commentary for the political process. Television, in a strange way, has ruined that process, hasn't it? It's hurt the process very much. I mean, the Abraham Lincolns of the world. Abraham Lincoln would probably not be electable today because of television. He was not a handsome man, and he did not smile at all he would not be considered to be a prime candidate for the presidency. There's uh, Donald Trump uh, back in 1980 
discussing what he thinks about our uh, political process and what we should have done in Iran in 1979. In 1979, I was uh, eight years old, and I do remember watching uh, Nightline and the the Iranian hostage crisis crisis on a regular basis. Um, Obviously, I don't remember what I was watching or all the political intrigue behind the scenes and stuff like that, but it just gives you an echo of uh, where we were at at that particular moment in time. So now from uh, 1987, Trump is talking to Larry King on CNN, of all places. So let's hear the discussion from, from that era. Because somebody had to, Larry. I watched and again, and it's a very important point. Japan is a money machine. Saudi Arabia is a money machine. Kuwait, these are money machines, the greatest ever created. The United States is, if it were a corporation, it would be bankrupt. It's losing $200 billion a year. For years now, it's been losing that. What right do we have to go out and defend? Why aren't these countries, these wealthy money machines, paying us for the defense of their freedom and their nations? Why aren't they paying us? We are kind of the world's keeper, are we not? I don't believe we should be. I think Japan should certainly make a contribution Japan is, is one of the reasons they're so successful is they don't have to worry about defense because why should they worry about defense when the United States will do it for nothing? I mean, it's crazy. Saudi Arabia, I mean, you saw what happened with Saudi Arabia. We're going through the Gulf. We have old-fashioned, obsolete uh, uh, minesweepers. We ask Saudi Arabia for the use of their minesweepers, which are the best made, the most modern, the best, and they say no. Who are they to tell us no? We're not going to give you our minesweepers. It's ridiculous. They're only there... They're only there for the sake of us as far as that's concerned. We are protective of Saudi Arabia. They should pay for that. Are we going to? So there's a clip from, um, like I said, 1987 um, regarding uh, minesweepers and and whatnot in Japan. Uh, Japan would later go into an economic crisis. Um, Obviously, their fortunes changed. The Middle East was obviously complicated even then. Uh, the Iran-Iraq war was going on at that particular, or had been going on in the mid-80s, um, and that affected oil prices and impacted lots of things. Uh, I had a thought about uh, what was going on in, in particular, but I I lost, uh, lost my train of thought, so we'll go back to it a little later. Here's another, this is an interview from um, uh, David Letterman in the same year. Uh, here he's criticizing Ed Koch, uh, the mayor, then mayor of New York. And his uh, failures on the job. You're on the uh, the cover of the uh, new issue of People magazine. I don't know what I'm beating around the bush here. I don't know why you're being so goofy about this. It says on the cover you're a billionaire. It does. Say, yeah. If people says it. I would have to believe it. When people say so. Um, what, what's the deal with you and uh, and Ed Koch? Is is this an old irritation between the two of you, or is this no, something it's new? No, really not. Ed Koch is a man who I've I've liked at some points. I have no objection to Ed except for one one thing. He's not a very capable or competent mayor. He's done. Whoa! <laughs> he's done a he's done a bad as most of you New Yorkers would probably know. He's done a, a pretty bad job running New York, and that hurts me and it hurts everybody. And when I see somebody that's not competent and he's running something and something that I have a big, really a big stake in, it bothers me and I do something about it. Uh, are you speaking from a position of somebody who has a lot of really, really special interest in the city? No, it's not a spe- I do have a special interest. I have a special interest in New York. New York City is a hot city. It's a great city. It's the greatest city in the world, according to many. And according you're here and we're also here. Right. And I hate to see some of the things happening with New York that have happened under the current administration. So I hit them pretty hard in the book. But I hit him fairly in the book. 
I hit him very fairly. Yeah. Probably very hard in the book, but very fairly. Uh, is, is it uh, kind of a, a pointless defense to say that this city is so big that it is actually unmanageable to a certain extent, and he's doing the best he can, sort of just pending it day to day? No, I don't think so. I mean, I hope that's not for defense of anybody. I did the Woman Skating Rink in four months, $2 million or $2.5 million. They started seven years before that and were unable to build it. I think they spent something like $15 million. This is a huge ice skating facility in Central Park, yeah, which the city was... Seven years. Seven years. Seven years, they could not get it open. They could not build it. Yeah. And we did it in four months. So, you know, you say, hey, it's big and everything else, and give them a little bit more time. But the fact is, that's a disgrace. The zoos are a disgrace. The subways, the, the schools. Yeah. But, 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 it's really management. It's management, it's competence, it's capability. It's, uh, it's just basic ability, and it got yeah, but you're speaking again from the over-the-fence in private enterprise. He's trying to run a municipal administration. It can be done. You think right, it can be done? Absolutely. By the right person, it can be done. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, would you want to be mayor of the no, city? I wouldn't. Want to be. It'd run very well if I was mayor, but I would not want to be uh, the mayor of New York. Is there something you do want? No, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. I'm on your show. You're a fantastic show. You're a star in my book. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> I know. I appreciate all, uh, that. We, we wrote all about David in the big book. Now, that's another thing. We came up to you that one afternoon, completely unannounced. We were in the lobby of the, the Trump Tower facility up the road there, and we just called up and said, could we come up and see Don? And they said, come on up. Absolutely. Now, how busy can you be? I <laughs> Uh, but you that were was actually, a lot of fun, by the way. Yeah, what's coming up was a lot of fun. And, and I must say, I thought that was very gracious of you to do, because obviously you've got a lot better things to do than, than goof around with me. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what about... So there's uh, Dave Letterman wrapping it up with Donald uh, Trump, which is kind of interesting, because um, in terms of where they are, in terms of the social milieu, they probably are far apart on a lot of issues which shows that in 1987, there was a lot more ability to um, have a discussion, um, have a back and forth between two people. And, and Trump was never really, you know, some hardcore warmongering. Um, I think it, it, what you can see there is that uh, Trump was never, uh, never short of criticism of other people. And of course, a lot of people don't like to be criticized and won't take his, uh, criticism very well. So here's a, uh, a interview from the BBC in 1998, and then we'll follow this up in uh, part two. You talk in your book about getting even, the importance of getting even. Is, is revenge sweet? I believe strongly in getting even. If somebody has hurt you, if somebody's gone out of their way to hurt you, I think that if you have the opportunity, you should certainly go out of your way to do a number on them. And I've had more criticism about that one statement in my book than any other statement. The clergy is called, the ministers, the priests, the rabbis. They've all said, what a terrible thing to say. That's against our teachings. I just believe it. I believe in an eye for an eye. If you did turn the other cheek, as the clergy are presumably suggesting to you, what would that do to your reputation in business circles here in New York? Well, I don't know what it would do to my reputation. I just don't believe instinctively in turning the other cheek. If somebody was out to hurt you, if somebody was out to do a number on you, I really believe that you should just do a number on them if you get the chance. Can you give me an example? Well, there were people that I really helped in business when things were very good in the 1980s and when my company was going good. And 
they did not lift a finger to help me when I needed it. And there were a couple of them that could have very easily helped me. Now I have the opportunity to do a number of those people. And I will tell you, I'm having a lot of fun with the opportunity. Who are the movers and shakers in the society? We, we get the impression in New York that power is in the hands of a few very, very rich people, yourself included. Um, decisions in smoke-filled rooms, is that still the way business is conducted in the city? Well, I think New York is very much run politically. I think we have a mayor that's named Rudy Giuliani, who's done an incredible job in New York. He's, and just got re-elected. And just got re-elected by a huge margin, I guess the largest margin ever. He has been an incredible mayor. He's done an unbelievable job. And he's just been great. And he, so it sort of, it starts off with the mayor, the leadership and the politicians. Um, we have uh, other people within the business community, obviously, that are very important. And there are a lot of them. But the city has just become very, very hot. And I think it's due to Rudy and lots of people in business that have done a very good job. When you say hot, it's more focused? It's really become focused. It's just a place where everyone wants to be. People want to come to New York. They love the city. They want to be here. They want the action. You know, New York has action. New York is unbelievable action. And everyone wants to be here. And I happen to be the biggest developer in New York. My company now is doing much better than it ever did in the 1980s. I mean... What do you attribute that to? Well, I think one thing is perseverance. I mean, when things were tough at the beginning of the 90s for me and everyone else, the problem with me is I was getting all the publicity. I Great Depression, you thought. So we'll pick up that uh, conversation in part two. Um, I think you can tell, like, for example, we mentioned Rudolph, uh, Rudy, Jr., <laughs> Rudolph, Rudy Giuliani, who um, obviously is a close friend in, in a cohort, um, somebody he's always turned to, I guess, in, in uh, difficult times, too, I, I believe. And that's probably why he picked him as his personal attorney. Um, a lot of people will say, ooh, that shows, you know, something conspiratorial or whatnot. But it's kind of interesting. Rudy Giuliani by 2001 was uh, lauded as lauded and praised as a hero based upon uh, the 9-11 uh, situation and circumstances. So it goes to show that over a course of time, uh, there's been a lot of media disinformation. Um, people used to have conversations and it wasn't so... Um, I guess you could say uh, conspiratorial or antagonistic and interviewers used to be uh, able to allow, ask a question and then allow the man to answer the question or woman and not give you a hard time about what your answer was. So we'll pick this up in part two.